Welcome to Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast, where we seek to provide you the tools to preserve and promote college radio. I'm Shane Garcia, and yet again, I am joined by the one and only Dr. Ralph Doc Rock Antonin. Doc, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Just got through watching uh, the Tour de France final stage, and poor Mark Cavendish didn't get the record. He came in third. So I was rooting for him. So, But I'm up because I want to hear what the interview is all about today. This is I'm looking forward to this one, Shane Garcia. I have been very much looking forward to this interview, Doc, because I remember a couple years back, and with pretty much all of our alumni that we have talked to so far here on the podcast, I met them through our college radio station, WIXQ, and specifically our station's 50th anniversary reunion. And this gentleman that we're talking to today once told me, and I quote, he netted, well, he netted the station the most money in the history of the radio station. I don't know whether or not that's actually true or not, and he really doesn't know whether or not that's actually true. But when he told me that, I kept that in the back of my mind. And then once we started this podcast and, you know, we wanted to dive into the various topics of what college radio truly is all about, of course, you got to talk about the financials. So then I figured, oh, this will be the golden opportunity to bring on Cody Lee Wade to talk about his time in college radio and to talk about more so specifically his time as business manager of the college radio station. So what do you think about that one, Doc? I love that one, and I want to hear what Cody said because he was one of my favorites. He was one of my favorites. Doc, I'm touched. I'm touched. Well, as you just heard there, there is the man himself, Mr. Cody Lee Wade. Welcome to Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for having me on. Doc, great to see you. Good to see you too, Cody. Now, Cody, we briefly interacted back at WIXQ's 50th anniversary reunion, and I had a chance to get a little bit of an idea of what you did through your time at the college radio station, but I'm really looking forward to talking to you today because this is a deeper dive into your time in college radio and a little bit about how the station has affected you in the years after you have left and you have gotten into the world of law. Right, right. I'm an attorney now. Go figure. Now that just goes to show that college radio is for everyone. It's not just for comm majors and it shouldn't be just for comm majors. It should be for everyone. So that makes me ask you, Cody, how did you end up getting involved in college radio to begin with? So I, you know, when I went to Millersville, I was, um, I was dating a girl that was at the station and she had a show. So I used to listen to her show and I was like, I need an activity to do. I'm no good at sports. So, uh, and I'm a big, huge fan of music, right? So gave it a shot and it just clicked. I mean, it was, you know, dream come true because you just get a, be the ham, right? You get to take center stage and listen to music with your friends. Can't get better than that. What was that experience like for you as you first walked into that college radio station and you witnessed the atmosphere as the the lights were dimmed or either on, seeing the walls of vinyl records and sitting in that chair and the kind of musty smell of the radio station? What was that like for you? Oh, man, that is like one of the, the best sense memories. When you imagine like going up to the board, it looks so vast and like really complicated, but then you don't tell people that there's only like two buttons you press, right? Maybe you press more because you know what you're doing, but I only press like two buttons, but it was just like, it just like gives you the sense of awe and like being in front of the table like that and just around music. Now you had two very, very college radio show names and by college radio show names, 
I mean something that's along the lines of the obscure. What were those show names and what kind of content did you have on your radio shows? Right. So my first show was with Andrew Howe and it was the Dr. Oxo show, which was like a Metalocalypse reference. And uh, that was three to 5 a.m. on Monday mornings. Uh, And we kind of like grew uh, musically speaking, like we both kind of went into our own niches. So we were always a variety show. So you never knew it was going to hit you. But then towards the end, we took over the legacy show that goes after Doc, and that is more cowbell. I hope that there's still more cowbell. I'm, I'm cautious. There is not. I'm getting some negative uh, responses. Bummer. But Sam Williamson and Andy Novak had it. They handed it down to us. And then Andrew Howe stayed on another year and did a show with Amanda, who is my fiance. Yeah, so those are my two shows. Those were the two. Is there any stories on how those show names were picked to begin with? I don't think so. I don't remember. It was just like with Andrew Howe, it was just us like stayed up late one night pitching show names. And that one was better than the five that had come before it. And uh, I don't I more cowbells, just the iconic SNL reference. I think it's a great name for a, for a show. You had spelled that a little weird. It wasn't exactly how you would hear more cowbell. It was a long, it was a little bit different there. Right. It was a uh, O M O A R, right? That's like, it was uh, internet speak. We were, we thought we were cool or they thought they were cool. And I agree. So speaking of cool, is that what the college radio culture was like at the time? Or was it anything but that? Because college radio station culture can be a little bit weird. And I remember you telling me when you came into the the college radio station, that was during the time period of one Eric Golden at WIXQ. Right. It was uh, at that time, it was a lot more metal. And it was just it was really cool. Like, uh, I remember like the first meeting seeing like station manager Andrew Coons and Eric Golden program director they were just like they they were so cool in that space right like uh they really knew what they were doing they're really friendly to us and like instantly just exuded sort of a cool and what like I come to find out is that you become those people for the younger class right so by my like when I was you know on council and stuff like that I was like, oh, these people see me how I saw them, like Eric Golden and stuff like that. And Pat Ellison as well. Just a cool bunch of dudes and gals. How did the culture evolve? Because, you know, you had said it was rather rebellious during that time period. And you would try to clean up. I remember you telling me you would try to kind of clean up that act of the rebelliousness and bring a cleaner image of WIXQ around Millersville and in the community of Lancaster. What did you try to do through that? Well, so that's kind of like the... I would say the tension between those two things is is tough because I I do like that when it was in this rebellious phase, right? Like that was the coolest part. It was all student run, which was like the so unique to WIXQ and it had such like a cool culture behind it. But then as Doc st- uh, started thinking of stepping back, we realized that we were in a huge transition phase and that the campus and the college wanted us to start becoming more involved. We were in like the basement of the SMC and you could just hide, right? Like no one was checking up on us. We could do whatever. And then like, we, it's like they discovered us under a rock somewhere. They're like, oh, we need, if we're gonna have you, you need to conform to some stuff. And that was uh, a tough transition. And I think that it went from, for better or worse, right? Uh, it went from a whole bunch of people that really like music to more people in like the comm degree using this because it's like actually a measurement or an, uh, a way to use their skills. 
I have to ask you, because you had talked about how you would solve the likes of Eric Golden and Andrew Coons as these cool leaders, and then you became a cool leader yourself. What was <laughs> self-appointed cool leader? What made you decide to pursue a leadership role at the radio station? Was it the fact that you just wanted to be that person, or was there any other motivating reasons behind that? Well, I think it's like when you start at WXQ, you're like, oh, I really like this thing. This is cool. I want this to be better. And like, I want to be involved. I want to do this more. I want to uh, have a, a part of the station. So, it, and I think it actually came down to like, at the end of the first year, we saw that like, no one ran for these positions. No one wanted these positions. So I, I think like we ran uncontested for like the lowest of the low. Um, I think me and Andrew Howe, we ran for uh, like, I think I was a, uh, what's the chief announcer helper? That's what I was. The production assistant. Yes, sir. I was the production assistant for the first year. It was just super cool. Now you tried to make a massive jump and can you please tell me why you decided to go from production assistant to attempting to run for station manager of all positions? Right. Um, I guess you could say that like I have the, the least successful political career, WIXQ. You could say that. You could make that case because uh, my third year I ran for um, chief announcer and I never got to, you know, there's like the meeting where you like explain why you'd be good for the job. Uh, I didn't get to go to that meeting, but I, I was hoping that like things were set, right? Like I, that uh, the station uh, knew me that well that I, I'd get elected. Well, apparently Matt Witzel comes up and runs for it. And he not only has a ton of actual radio experience, but has the voice of a God, much like yourself. And so when he gets up and starts talking, they're like, oh no, this guy should actually be our chief announcer. And so I lost that election by one single vote. And uh, yeah, so I, that was a bummer. But yeah, no, you always got to keep trying for um, the big role. So I, uh, at that time, uh, my last year, there was, uh, there was, they always kind of pick like an heir apparent. There's the two main positions, the station manager and program director are not elected, they're appointed, I guess. And like the person that uh, was heir apparent was going for it, and I also wanted it. And so instead of taking like, the program director spot, I said, let's make a run for the top. And uh, I didn't get it, but uh, I came out uh, and elected, got elected to business manager. So that was cool for the last year. Now, Doc wanted me to ask you why you were always competing with the elected station manager during that time period, Shannon Sisson. Right. <laughs> I don't know. We actually, we had like a super good relationship and she like, we weren't like competitive or anything like that. And I like, I definitely really respected her and stuff. Um, I just thought I would, I would do things my way. And, you know, and I still think that like, just kind of like how doc does, right. You can have a lot of influence and it does not all about the title. Right. So you make your job, whatever you want it to be, right. You can make the most out of it. And uh, I really try to do that with mine. And even if I wasn't like, if I had never been elected to anything, I still would have tried my best for the station. I would have done something. And I think it's the value of leadership. You do whatever you set your mind to, no matter what role you're, you're in, whether or not you are the station manager, whether or not you're even the secretary, you make whatever you put into your position. And Doc, what is it you say about- it's What you can do for WIXQ. Not what WIXQ can do for you. Right, right. You can do for WIXQ. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and also Doc always talks about like uh, servant leadership, right? Leading from like- a position of serving. So that's something that I like 
always listened to and kind of tuned in on. Now, the leadership positions at the radio station do come with its perks, and one of those being broadcasting conferences. And Doc had also wanted me to ask you about your experiences at CMJ, because on episode 16 of Scholastic Transmission, the episode that aired before we talked to you here, Cody, we had talked about CMJ. So we wanted to ask you about what your experiences were like at that broadcasting conference. CMJ is awesome. Uh, I was freshly 21 by like three days, and they just, I, I still don't know, <laughs> like it, it baffles me every time. When I think about what they just let us do, they just dropped like six WIXQers off in New York City with a weekend full of free concerts and free events. And we had this like hotel room packed. I'm pretty sure someone slept on the floor. It was like, it was like someone had just given you the keys to New York City. You would go to like all these random shows uh, and flash a badge. <laughs> like you had like this lanyard thing. Just so cool. It's such a great uh, opportunity for music. I saw so many unforgettable bands um, that I've already forgotten. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It was just such a cool uh, experience. Love that. That canceled. Do they not do that anymore? Fairly after you you had uh, went to CMJ, I think it went by the wayside. And then it came back. It's kind of back, but it's not really back. But I don't know. There's plans in the work to bring it back and revive it. So here's hoping that maybe one day all of it will come back and of all of its glory. <laughs> Man, I remember one of my favorite stories from CMJ is I was with Brooke Dorr, who was uh, the metal director at the time. Or Yeah, and so we brought him. And we wanted to go. St I wanted to go to the show that was on a boat. It was this metal show on a boat. And I was like, that sounds awesome. So we're going, we like travel across the city and we get to the dock and we get a security pat down and I, I'm like, no problem. I get through it. Brooke Dirt has a knife in his boot <laughs> and like, and he's like, and they wouldn't let him on the boat because he had a knife in his boot. And he's like, look, man, I know you want to go to the show, but I really like this knife. And so we just, we had to turn around and go, go home. I think we ended up going to see another show that time. <laughs> That's just the wild experiences that you take away from your time in college radio. Right. See, that's those stories that just make me laugh because you never know what you're really going to take away from college radio in the end, especially when you get a chance to get out there and, and go to like places like New York City. I had the chance to go to Seattle, Washington when I was at, in uh, college radio. And you form these bonds and relationships with so many different people and you walk away with so many stories that you're going to be able to tell down in the future. Right. And speaking of a story that Doc, another one that Doc wants me to ask you. I had talked about some of the leadership perks that you get through your time at WIXQ, specifically our station, WIXQ. And one of those is the fact that you can apply for scholarships at the radio station. And I was told to ask you why you missed the deadline for the scholarship. Oh, gosh, why did I miss the deadline, Doc? Don't you remember that? No. <laughs> Shannon Sisson got her application in and you were a procrastinator. That does sound like me. Yes, and the deadline had come, and you said, well, Doc, I'm going to give you my uh, my scholarship uh, request. I said, it's too late, Cody. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. That, did that really happen? I, I, it must have. It must have. It sounds like me to put something off to the very end. Yeah. Because you also work for me, and when we were doing the budget, I remember you being up against a deadline, if I remember right. It's like these things keep happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was up against the deadline. I remember it was like, 
it was due Monday. The budget thing was due Monday. And I, it was like Sunday night. And I'm just like uh, wired on coffee being like, it's not going to be done in time. I'm so worried. But it got done, didn't it, Doc? Yes, it did. You were a man who worked well under pressure, which probably is why you're a lawyer, because you have to work under pressure. Yeah. Well, I think this is the perfect transition point to bring up your role as business manager, because as I said at the beginning of this podcast, the financials are very much important for the college radio station, because the funding has to come from somewhere. The station has to run in some capacity, and without the funding, it probably isn't going to run. So as you had said, you just kind of wanted to to do something, and you just ended up getting the, the next highest position imaginable with the business manager role. But I have to ask you, Cody, what was your goal then once you became the business manager and how did you want to raise money for the station? Right. I just wanted to do a good job. I want to do good for the station. And as I remember, like the big role was the budget. And I said, well, let's just get a lot of money for the station. That would be great. And um, yeah, so uh, that was, that was a big goal of mine. And one of the, the, it sounds like bad advice, but I just asked, right? Like I just asked for the money and they did give it to me, which is great. Um, I am not a smart man, especially when it comes to financial stuff. So I was a little bit out of my uh, depths when I took on the role, but you just learn it, right? You just learn, um, learn how to do it and do it well. And uh, yeah, so I got us a bunch of money. That was cool. Now, who did you have to ask for the money, may I ask? I think it was Student Senate, right? So you have to submit like uh, a budget for next year. And there was a lot of things that WXQ needed. There's like some techie stuff that I don't know what it is or why we need it, but we needed it. And so um, we had to go in and uh, defend the budget that we had proposed and basically like said pre-please. And like, I think that was just... They did, that might have been like the time where they're like, wow, we're actually going to, to uh, allocate money to WXQ, like a significant amount. Now we want more out of them. Now we want them to be more visible. They can't just hide in the basement of the smack. So once you get that money, you have to prove that you need that money and you have to spend it on things that are going to help your station, not only during that time, but maybe in the future, which is why Doc and I have always talked about escrowing money, whether or not it is for equipment broadcasting trips, or in case of an emergency. And just look at COVID, for example. You didn't know how that was going to shape your college radio station, and some stations are really hurting for money. So it's important that you plan once you get a big sum of money from wherever means that you get it from. But then once you get that money, of course you're going to want even more on top of that. And some stations might look to underwriting to bring in money from the outside, from local businesses in the community. Merchandise that you can sell to students, uh, whether or not it's your DJs, campus members, or even, again, the listeners within the community. Of course, there's events that you can plan that are going to draw in students and people around campus, or even alumni and community fundraising that you can put on every year. So I guess what my question then that I want to ask you, Cody, is what techniques did you find that worked best for you in bringing in even more money than what you got from Student Senate? Well, I we never did a fundraising event to my recollection, but my role as the purse string guy, right, is working closely with the production team uh, that does like, oh, the promotions director, right? That's where you give all your your swag away, right? So we did shirts, um, that was cool, but like that was all net zero profit. It was just for the love of the game. So we got shirts out there, that was cool, buttons. No, so we, 
you could do an event like that. And I'm sure that we have done them before, but uh, nothing that you do at that event will give you as much money as just a nice big fat check from the school, right? The budget's where it's at, man. That's, that's where it is for me. Now, how important do you think that focus should be for a current group of station members at the radio station? How do you think they should plan that out in order to try to get money for the radio station? Right. I would say you would, number one, evaluate what you need. Number two, show that you actually are spending it. If you can show that, like, that this is a station that requires money, but also does something with it, if you become more visible, then the college can't ignore you anymore. Right. So once we started putting ourselves out there, having more events and stuff like that, that's when we saw an increase in, in funding as well. Because during that time, if I if I recall correctly, WIXQ had put on the Marauder Ball. Marauder Ball. Oh, yeah, I guess we did do that. Did that make us money, Doc? We made- A little bit, but it got us out there. It got us out there. Remember, the attendance of that was excellent. You Marauder Ball. It, 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 up, it, it was a thing. Like, you know, when you try something once and you don't think it's going to go well? Well, this, like, ended up being a thing. I hope it's still a thing. It might not be. It's not a thing. I'm seeing a note from Doc. Everything I love is dead. I get that. No, no. (laughs) You're still alive. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, we did Marauder Ball. Um, I, uh, ooh, I represented um, WIXQ. I was Mr. WIXQ for the uh, Mr. Millersville thing. You remember that, Doc? Yes, I do. Did not win. Did not win. (laughs) But you were there. See, you were visible. We were visible. We had a presence. Yes, it was presence. That matters. I think we did have a winner of, I think Brie Picari might've won Miss Millersville. No, there was, there was, I don't think it was Brie, but there was somebody else did win Miss Millersville. So we were very visible with Miss Millersville, Mr. Millersville, who didn't miss the WISQ, uh, Miss and Miss WISQ, whatever it was called. But right. we were, we were out there. We were very visible. So you accomplished the objective of being visible to the college. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, the one I would say the one thing that didn't work out is we tried to uh, get the um, the dining hall to play WXQ during lunch. You remember that we tried that and yeah. we did it on Metal Wednesday, and, <laughs> and they did not like that. You would be surprised. There's like just a whole bunch of people at the dining hall listening to like Pig Destroyer, and <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. I can't stop laughing now. <laughs> I could just imagine that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you imagine? Got to get your groove on with Pig Destroyer on Millersville University's campus. <laughs> right. And we had, and like, um, we had some, and we still, I will go down on record saying we have some of the best carts, right? So the commercials that play, we used to, my favorite was when we like, would me- like take the existing cart that the ad council would send us and then just mess it up, right? Like uh, repeat words a lot. Like we would be able to like uh, uh, lower tones and stuff like that. And uh if you ask any WX cure, they know all about a suitcase problem. And that's the best cart there is. You got to check that one out. How important was the camaraderie at the radio station? Whether or not it's from a business manager perspective in connecting with local businesses and people around campus, or just in general in getting the station out there. How important was the camaraderie in growing the radio station as a whole? That's everything, right? Your relationship with your fellow council members is everything because it's like WXU feels like a family. I know that's kind of like a, kind of a trope to say that, but when you all care about each other, when you're working together for something, you hold each other to be more accountable. You have more fun when you do it. And, you know, 
it kind of lends itself to when other people come in, they want to be part of that, right? That's really like what makes this as an organization so special. But it's also one of these things where WXQ will never leave my heart. But once you're out, you're out, right? So I always thought like that when I was in it, I was like, man, if I ever, you know, uh, leave this when I, when I graduate and stuff like that, I'll be back all the time. I'll come over for lunch and stuff like that, but you can't, you can't, you can't ever return to it. Right. It's, it's gotta be someone else's thing now. Right. They've got to make it what they want. And I bet like if I, you know, saw it now, it would be different, but you know, you can't step in the same river twice. And it was very important for me. I'm sure it'll be very important to someone else down the road for a different reason. What relationships did you seek to form with the people around campus in order to help benefit the financial state of the radio station? Right. Well, I mean, like student Senate obviously is like the big ones to know, but I mean, like, I think that you really just, you, you get successful like that in, in that way, just by, you know, being a decent person. Right. So I, uh, wanted to talk to other organizations and I started the dialogue about how they were doing things. The snapper, by the way, snapper still eats it. Uh, but like finding out how other organizations were navigating through the, the college uh, landscape was, was helpful. Um, getting to know people involved in students and it was also helpful for us. But I mean, I never, like my big thing is people are ends into themselves, right? Like I never use people as means. I'm not Machiavelli or anything like that. So I, I would just say be a decent human being, talk to people. Now, if you were still in the role of business manager today, what mediums do you think you would look to to try to raise money for your radio station? Oh man, if I was business manager today, I might do things different. I don't know. Um, if I was trying to get money for the station, man, I would do, I would do more events. But at the end of the day, like college radio is not exactly a profitable business, right? It, there are not many college radio stations that are just really having a great time and are in, in, the, in the money, so to speak. So I know it's thin and I know that colleges are sometimes can downsize the program. I think that one of the most essential things, though, is to maintain the integrity of the station and keeping it student run. This thing could maybe turn a profit if you just you know, started selling sponsorships and stuff like that, or like um, ad space, whatever. But I think the beauty of WXQ is that it's not that, and it never will be, unless we've already done that. Have we done that? Do we sell ads now? Are we corporate shills? We're shills, aren't we? We're shills. Okay, we're not shills. I'm getting a no from Doc, that's good. <laughs> well, what do I know? What do, you, what do we know? So yeah, I mean, I think you have to balance, you have to, you have to try for money, but yeah, can't sacrifice the integrity of the station. Now to bounce away from your time as business manager, because although that's, you know, one of the reasons why we wanted to bring you in, you were part of the selection committee to determine the next station advisor as Doc was retiring and stepping down from the university and the station. Could you please describe to me the selection process and what was your role throughout that process as you were trying to bring in somebody new to the station? So it's my recollection that basically there was, um, me from as a station representative there was uh some higher ups some like uh some brass i guess you call them from the college and there was i want to say it was three applicants and in a lot of ways it was really strange because when they interviewed this was like such a a huge task to fill the shoes of doc right like the true test of whether wxq just was doc rock 
or whether it could survive without them. And we had two candidates that I think were emblematic of what the station was and what the station was going to be in the future, right? So it was between Greg Sigworth and Lowry Woodall. And Greg said, I want to continue the legacy of Doc. I want to be Doc for the new generation. And Woodall, uh, his approach was, he's like, I like, and he knows a lot about, uh, you know, communication stuff. And he's part of the comms department. He was like, I have a big idea of where WX can go, WXQ can go in the future. And it was very clear that a return to Doc was not what the selection committee wanted. And despite like lobbying for the importance of a, a Doc type, they went in a, another direction. But I think that like, I totally, and like Woodall's a great guy and I totally understand choosing him for what they wanted WXQ to be more visible, a bigger part of the college community. Um, but obviously it's like the, the amount of weight you feel on your shoulders when your task is to replace doc. It, it's just, it, it was Herculean, man. It was rough, but station's still there, right? Still standing. So whether we did a good job or not, I mean, you can't replace doc, but you, you do your best. How did you try to help out Dr. Woodall as he was becoming the advisor of the radio station? Right. I said, uh, I think what I told him was like, your duty is to hang out with us at lunch at all times, just like Doc would do. And I said, you have to get good at dots. You know, you got to throw some dots around um, with Dak. Uh, and you have to spend time with the, the, the kids, right? So that was the most important part um, of what Doc was to us. And I think like he, he did, I think one of Doc's like, ways about him was to, he was only an advisor, right? He would let the students go in whatever direction they wanted to go. He would just gently guide them um, to get to where they wanted to be. And that was such a cool approach that a lot of people like didn't know what to do with all that freedom. And so I think that that was one of the best parts about um, Doc's tenure and what he tried to do. And I tried as best as I could to impart that example to Woodall. So I hope he followed it. I don't know. I haven't, li <laughs> I haven't listened in a while. Dr. Woodall has really respected that hands-off approach where he's not telling us what to do. And I really appreciated that because we make it our own. You get out of it what you put into it. But what I really appreciated about Doc's tenure is that even though he was very hands-off in telling us what to do, he was very hands-on with his mind in giving us guidance for not only at the radio station, but in life in general. And I just appreciated him being there. And I always wanted Dr. Woodall to be there because he is an excellent advisor. When, you know, you go to him and you ask him for advice and you ask him, hey, what do you think about this idea for the radio station? And he says, oh, I like this and this and this. Have you thought about this idea? Or whenever we would have our meetings uh, before our big old council meetings that we have or our station meetings, he would put out some tremendous ideas for us to just throw them at the wall. They Some of them were used, some of them were never used. But, you know, if that, that presence is important, and that's what I always stress. Presence is important. And that's what I really appreciated about Doc's tenure. And I hope, you know, as things start to come back to somewhat of a normal, Dr. Woodall can use that presence and be there for the kids as they start out on their own journey 
and create their own path in a post-COVID world at the radio station. And regardless of whether or not it's at our station or a station anywhere across the world, it's important for the advisor to be present so they can help give, give ideas and some knowledge to the students. But the students need to make it their own. But anyway, I digress. Let's get back into you, Cody, because that's what we're talking about here today. We're talking about you. Now, you were able to take a lot away from your time in college radio. And you are a prime example of one of the many college radio love stories that have formed throughout the years at a college radio station. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm about to marry her. Uh, so, I mean, uh, I'll, the I saw her on ca- campus, but the one time that like really sticks in my mind of like when we first met was she was coming in to do her demo tape and uh, Andrew Howe was helping him because he was uh, whatever they call it when you train people. That was his gig. And so I remember meeting her and I was like, wow. All right, cool. Uh, and then we started uh, dating sometime that next year, and we've been together for like nine years. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and yeah. So like, we met because of WIXQ, which was fantastic. And she maintained her show on there the whole time too. And as you said, you know, she continued the legacy of more cowbell. She continued the legacy of more cowbell. What more could you ask for <laughs> to marry me? So it's a big undertaking. Because I remember Doc always said that, you know, there's a lot of college radio love stories, whether or not it's at WIXQ or if it's around the world. It's always going to be there. Right. There's a bunch, right? We got, uh, what, uh, Greg and Karen? Greg Parks? Yeah. There's probably more, right? And, and uh, Mazer. Shea oh, yeah. Uh, Coons and Shea, yeah. Yeah. And then there's going to be a marriage, I think, Friday, be Labor Day weekend coming up that someone I know might be getting married and I'll be going there. That's me, Doc. That's me. I can't wait to see you there. And 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 do you mind telling us who the who you the name? You never mentioned her name. She was. Oh, did, did I not mention Amanda? It's Amanda. Amanda and I are getting married. And 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 it's going to be a great wedding, and I'm going to be there. I'm going to have a blast. You will have a blast. Because it's no ties. I hate <laughs> ties. You can't you can't strict Doc up with a tie. No, I was not going to come if there was going to be a tie. Okay. I would have rebelled and worn some kind of a, but looked like a tie, but wasn't a tie. Like a tuxedo shirt is what you're saying. Yes, I would have done something. Tuxedo shirt. Okay. That was what convinced me to go. And when I saw that, I said, oh, look at this. I said to mama, I said, look at this. I don't have to wear a tie. (laughs) That's good. That's good. As we have said, uh, you're now an attorney. You went from being in college radio to now you are an attorney. How did your time in college radio prepare you for life as an attorney? Well, so that's the thing, right? Is like all the the old guard of WXQ, it always was just like you different majors of every sort would come into the station and it had nothing. They, usually no one had any designs to be a college radio DJ. I don't know anyone besides like Matt Witzel who had done that before he went to college that still does it now. I assume he still does radio. So I was a political science and philosophy major. So I went to law school because if I didn't, I would probably be delivering pizzas. But like we had people that were like a geology major. Do you remember Pat was a geology major? Um, Nick was like uh, computer science, like we just from all over. And it really the only thing that unified us was love of music. And so I would say, while what I do now has absolutely nothing to do with college radio, I would say that working in the, in the council has taught me 
how to be a good leader and how to do a job and do it effectively. I think that it matures you to have a position of responsibility and um, that I will take. And also I would say that my time with Doc, invaluable in terms of life lessons. Do you mind sharing some of those life lessons that you learned through Doc? I mean, just, I'm sure that your podcast is full of like witty Doc aphorisms, you know, like of, of perspective. And uh, I'm sure at one time I could tell you every single Doc story that I have, but some of those have been lost to time. But I will, I mean, like Doc just has his, his witticisms and his wit. And uh, I'm sure this podcast is chock full of them. You got one for us now, Doc? You got a nugget of wisdom? I got a wisdom? Not right now. Okay, <laughs> it's coming. But I, I, I'm thinking of leadership and, the, of course, the nugget of wisdom I put on the wall that Amanda, I think, put there is leadership is lonely ship. I was going to say, that is that is one that I remember a lot. And it, it's it's true. I mean, you could, uh, if you haven't already, you should reach out to Nick Geisinger. He, he could tell you that, that when he was station manager, it was real tough. It was real tough to, to be in that role because you have to make a lot of unpopular decisions and you can't please everyone all the time. So I, I understand that for sure. So Cody, what do you believe you would not have today if it wasn't for your time in college radio? I wouldn't have my soon to be wife. So that's important. And you know what? Uh, there is a massive amount of music that I stole from WIXQ. Stole, borrowed, right? So the 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 station it probably still is is chock full of dressers well they look like dressers they're cd drawers right i'm talking like ten thousand of them ten thousand cds in the station and when i came it was like a kid in a candy store because i was like oh that's so cool and i would pull out the cd and i would rip it to my laptop and i did whole shows where the actual thing that i was doing was ripping hours and hours and hours of music that i would never listen to i have like like 700 gigs of music because of the station and all that just ripped straight from it. So I would have a lot less musical taste. That's for sure. Did you discover a lot of bands through WIXQ? hundred percent. And we used to do uh, like uh, the music director would always put like, we had to play one new song an hour and there was like 10 of them. And usually you pick the shortest one, which is hilarious because you just want to go back to playing your other stuff. But yeah, I found out uh, a lot of cool bands through there and we used to have a partnership with the Chameleon Club, RIP, where you could go to shows for free. And so I rode that pretty hard. Like I got, uh, you got a plus one too. So I uh, would always take friends to shows. I went to many of them. Gosh, man, I missed that. That was fun. Now looking back, and I have one more final question here to ask you. Looking back during your time in college radio, and now as you have grown away from your time in college and you're practicing law and doing who knows what else with your time, as you look back on that time period and as you look to the future and as you, you talk to everybody who's listening here to this podcast today, what would you tell everybody? Just one takeaway that you have about your time in college radio that you think everybody else should have about college radio themselves. If I distilled it down into a phrase like of like advice that I would give to someone like that is freshly into college, right? It's just find your WIXQ right? Find that organization that makes you feel uh, like you're really part of it. You're part of a family and find it one that has unified interests as you. I feel like when you go into it's college radio is not going to be what WXQ was for everybody, but I think that you can really transform that space and make it, uh, make it your own. I would just say, man, if I was, if I was going into it fresh, 
I would just say, um, you know, be cool, be cool to each other. Right. Just like vibe with it. College radio is awesome. Cody Lee Wade. Thank you very much for joining us here today on Scholastic Transmission to talk about your time in college radio, your time as business manager and how college radio has helped you in a medium that isn't exactly college radio these days. It was a pleasure being here and talking with you, Shane. And Doc, it was great, man. Yeah, it was good to see you. I uh, I miss our luncheon conversations. We had some good ones. I think we could have solved all the world's problems if we would have had enough time. We took on a problem every lunch. Every lunch. And beat it to death. And beat it to death. Then maybe that's why I'm such a such a uh, good lawyer. Is just all the all the arguing we did. Yeah, we did. We did do a lot of discussion and a lot of stuff. Uh, it's something, of course, that you hit upon the family aspect, which is what I had tried to create—a family environment. Right, and uh, uh, you know, good good memories of uh, road cleanup. Road cleanup, yeah. Road cleanup with the hoodsies. Oh, yeah, great stuff. Thanks, guys. So, Doc, Cody made an interesting point today during this podcast about when he was involved in the radio station. He had tried to get the college radio programming to air in the dining halls at Millersville University, but it was ultimately nixed because they decided to play the station on what was then known as Metal Wednesday, where heavy metal programming, heavy metal music was played all throughout the day on WIXQ. And I could understand why the university wouldn't want that to being played, but... That's just the the value of, of programming. You just never know what you're going to hear on the college radio stations. So I think this is the perfect time because we really have not touched on this yet. But talk about the value, the true value that college radio programming really carries to not only the students, but the listeners in your community as well. That's a wonderful idea. I remember that time because there used to be a, a couple guys on campus would give me the horns up metalheads because he thought I knew something about metal. And and uh, yeah, that'd be perfect. I often wondered why I got that Hans up metal heads. I had nothing to do with it, but he was a, he was an on-campus employee who always gave me the Hans up metal heads thinking that I had something to do with this. I didn't have anything to do with it. But Doc, you always said in the carts, Doc knows metal. Well, that was, <laughs> yeah, the kids put me up to that. I mean, they, they <laughs> Yeah, I guess I did say that. Doc knows metal. And and yeah, I had a good time with that because this this guy would and I often say, Hans up, metalheads. And and uh, and this guy, a couple guys on campus thought I was a metal guy, I guess. So yeah, that's an interesting observation, Shane. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, of course, Doc, I'm happy to. But college radio just isn't all about heavy metal. There could be any genre of music being played over the college radio airways, whether it is metal, whether it's hip-hop, whether it's indie, country, oldies, you name it. You never know what you're going to hear on college radio, especially when the station's free format, or, you know, there are some college radio stations out there that are formatted stations. And I think it's important that we bring in this conversation and really talk about what college radio has to offer to the people over the airwaves. Yeah, that's a good idea. Who are we gonna? Who's gonna? Who are we gonna bring in? Well, that'll be me and you, Doc. That's who we're gonna bring in. It's just the two of us. You're kidding. Well, I'm I'm up for it, Shane, because your ideas are wonderful. And I'd like to think that we know what we're talking about too, Doc. Yeah, I'd like to think after 35 years, I knew something about college radio. So I'm glad that we're gonna do this. In the meantime, 
you can stay up to date with Scholastic Transmission all across social media at College Radio Pod. Again, that's College Radio Pod to get your social media fix. And be sure to share the podcast with your friends, your family, and anybody that loves college radio. So in the meantime, Doc, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about with Cody Lee Wade here today? No, I'm done. I'm done. I mean, Cody, Cody, Cody and I had a good relationship, and I'm, I'm just so glad to have had you bring him here. Thank you, Shane. You are quite welcome, Doc. It was a pleasure having him on today, and I'm glad that we could put his story out there for the masses to listen to. So for Cody Lee Wade and Dr. Ralph Doc Rock Antonin, I'm Shane Garcia. Thank you for listening to Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast. Class is dismissed.